Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. Today we're going to be reading a couple of passages. So if you have your Bibles um, open, we're first going to go to 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Um, I'll be reading out of the NIV. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that he lives we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father who has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever, loves, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we have the confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. The second reading is coming from Philippians. Uh, chapter 2, 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one, in, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each other but each of you to the interest of others. If your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ruth. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Simon, or some people call me Jacko. Um, not very original. My last name's Jackson, and so we've shortened that to Jacko. It's nice to see you. If you don't recognise me today, um, someone said, I didn't recognise you out the front because, Jacko, you weren't wearing a T-shirt. Um, I've dressed up today. I've put my Christmas shirt on uh, because it's Christmas, well, almost. So uh, it's good to see you all this morning. Um, we are, uh, we're in a series, actually. Um, we're going to head towards joy to the world uh, for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. We're still in this series we're calling uh, Riches to Rags, our Advent series. And uh, I wonder if you take a look at the screen, and we're going to watch a short video or movie or whatever you want to call it. Have a look. I really like that movie. It's, uh, it moves me, actually, as a father to think of that moment when 
the Father asked the Son to go there for us uh, into a broken world. And that's what we're going to think about today as uh, we begin uh, and engage our hearts this Christmas in the reality that our Lord Jesus uh, came from riches to rags in order to rescue, redeem, and renew us and his world. Uh, So I encourage you to keep the Bible open, Philippians chapter 2, and uh, we are going to be in that passage uh, a bit today. So let's pray as we come before God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you for, uh, because of this great gift, we can experience and we can know true and real and lasting joy. Uh, Lord, we, we admit that it can be hard to be joyful at this time in the middle of what is often a busy, um, difficult, often a bit what people call a silly season. Uh, but Father, when the, heart, the cares of our hearts are many, Father, we thank you that you comfort us and you provide hope and cheer. And Lord, today we ask that you administer to our hearts through your word, by the Holy Spirit, lead us into your presence where there is indeed fullness of joy. And Lord, we ask this for our good and your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, we are um, we're in this series, Rags to uh, Riches to Rags, but um, here's, a, here's a little statement on the screen. We like rags to riches story. Who likes a rags to riches story? Most of us do, right? You know, they're sort of inspiring, they're interesting, they kind of give us hope, they kind of get us out of bed and things like that. Um, I just wanted to share with you a few kind of, at least the rags to riches stories that come to my mind. Here's a picture of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, who kind of was born in a, um, a humble log cabin and then he kind of rose to perhaps being one of the US's greatest presidents. Um, you know, there's a rags to riches story. Um, here's another guy. Here we go. Um, Will Hunting from Goodwill Hunting fame. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie. Um, you know, as your pastor, I should encourage you maybe don't watch that movie because there's some interesting language in it. But uh, just pretend I didn't say that and go and watch it. It's great. No. Um, but uh, Will Hunting is this guy who um, he's born on the wrong side of Boston and he's born into sort of disadvantage and he's kind of in a dysfunctional family. And really, you know, on paper, his only kind of trajectory in life is to be, you know, like a, a builder's labourer. Um, not against builder's labourers, by the way, but that's kind of where he's kind of, that's kind of the scope of where he's heading. And yet, he has this innate ability to do maths. I never had an innate ability to do maths, but Will Hunting, you know, could just do high-level mathematics and he was picked up, you know, identified, and then, you know, his life changed. He sort of went from rags to riches, you know, and things like that. Um, here's another guy. Who knows that guy? Yep, Nick. Who is it? Pablo Escobar, well done. Yeah, you get, you get the lucky door prize, which I don't have one, but anyway, um, that's Pablo Escobar, right? So infamous, right? Infamous Pablo. Um, again, wonderful series on Netflix called Narcos. As your pastor, don't watch it, but it's really good. And uh, in it, um, so Pablo, right, born in Colombia, born to a pig farmer, you know, poorest of the poor, middle of nowhere, Colombia, and yet rises to be one of the world's, at the time, one of the world's richest men. Now, 
he did it for all the wrong, all the wrong ways, basically. He made cocaine and he trafficked cocaine and on the way killed thousands of people. Um, again, I'm not advocating that's how you get there, right? But a rags to riches story. This one I love. Um, you probably won't have any idea who this is, but this is a woman called Sabrina Cohen Hatton. Um, she, um, she's from the UK, and uh, she, uh, again, grew up in the UK in a really disadvantaged family, highly dysfunctional family, to the point where she had to leave her home and ended up as a teenager spending years and years actually living on the street. Um, and, you know, again, you'd think really limited opportunities in life. She had this spark, right, where she wanted to be a firefighter. She wanted to be a firefighter, and so she just started applying to all these firefighting units right across the UK. Um, she got in, and then she had this dream, right, of not just putting out fires, but really contributing to firefighting on a global scale. And so she ultimately did a PhD examining how people emotionally respond and act in the situations of fire to help fireys and things like that work out how best to do it. Her research has changed a lot of practices right around the world. And then she became, this is awesome, she became the first woman to be the captain of a fire brigade in the UK. Rag, isn't that great? Rags to riches. Um, you can hear her story on Desert Island Discs, which old people like me listen to. Anyway, um, Sabrina Cohen Hatton. And here's another one, here's my last story. Who knows this one? Tran? This is not Tran, by the way. <laughs> and I don't think you're related, but who is it? Hugh Van Lee. Hugh Van Lee, who is currently the governor, Her Majesty of Queen Elizabeth's representative here in South Australia. Uh, Hugh Van Lee uh, arrived in Australia in 1977. Uh, he was uh, a, a, on a boat with 50 other refugees from Vietnam. Um, apparently, it was a terrible journey from Vietnam to Australia for him. He arrived when he was 21. He arrived um, and he went to university, got an opportunity to study shortly after. Um, I think he did accounting and economics. Don't hold that against him. But, uh, you know, amazing stuff. And then he rose to be a really influential man in terms of helping us understand the value, the beauty, the goodness of multiculturalism, um, not just in Adelaide and South Australia, but beyond that. And as a result, he's um, sort of risen uh, to then being identified as a, a really great leader um, of our state. He's a great man. Um, he's gone from rags to riches, you could say. Uh, we all love um, a rags to riches story. But the reality is, right, the, the story of the Bible is a, a story of riches to rags. Um, that's the reality of the narrative that's captured many of our hearts and minds here at City Light Church, North Adelaide. A movement of God himself from glory and majesty and perfection to a place of shame, humiliation and sacrifice. The wonderful truth of Christmas is that the living God, the God we meet in the pages of Scripture, willingly, voluntarily debased himself in order to renew, rescue, and redeem people like you and me and this broken but beautiful world. Some of you have probably heard sermons on Philippians chapter 2 heaps of times. Here's another one. Yeah, welcome to you know, another chapter, another time in Philippians 2. It's good to come back to this really great passage of Scripture. Maybe you've never been here. Welcome. It's a beautiful piece of Scripture. Perhaps the Apostle Paul's most incredible writing on the person and work of Jesus um, 
A lot of people say that Paul maybe didn't even write it himself. I don't agree. I think it is actually a wonderful passage that he penned himself, and it thrills my heart. I hope it thrills yours today as we look at it together. The passage really breaks down into two parts, verses 5 through to 8, and then through 9 to 11. That's what we're going to look at. We look firstly at the humility, the humiliation of Jesus, and then we think about the glorification or the exaltation of Jesus. So if you're a note taker, there's your two points. Um, Jesus' humility or humiliation, and then secondly, uh, Jesus' exaltation, glorification. Um, So have a look with me. Uh, Verse 5, here we go. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Verse 5, that first opening word is really important. We're going to get back to that because that's where the application implications are for you and for me. So in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he humbled, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. We, we meet here, firstly, the, the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, in his pre-incarnate state, before he took on flesh, came into the world, God with us, Emmanuel, he was in the form of God. That is, it wasn't like he wore his godness or his godhead like you and I might wear some clothes and sort of take on some kind of persona. He was God always. Um, You know, sometimes I, I think about taking on a persona. I would, you know, many of you know I'd love to be a Richmond football player. Um, and so, you know, I could go down to Rebel Sport, um, not in Adelaide, because you can't get Richmond gear in Adelaide Rebel Sports, so you can only get crows and power. But um, let's say I did, went down to the store, I bought a Richmond jersey, I brought some Richmond shorts and socks and boots, and I began to speak like Dustin Martin, you know, although he doesn't speak very much. And then, you know, I walked around thinking, hey, I'm a Richmond player, you know, like, um, it you know, would never work, right? You'd see straight through that. It'd be a sham. It's not who I really am. It's just the clothes I'm wearing on the outside, but not with Jesus. He was in the form of God always. He was in his essence, in his being, God. All the glory, all the majesty, all the power, all the knowledge, all the honour he had because that was his. And he had it from all eternity, before the creation of the world. That's who he was. The background of that term, in very nature God or in the form of God, is the glory of God. That glory that, I don't know if you know Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah you know, turns up to church one Sunday not expecting to bump into the living God, but happens to bump into the living God in the temple. Isaiah chapter 6, go and read it later. And when he bumps into the living God, he falls down on his face, consumed with his own sinfulness. That's the glory we're talking about. We're talking about the glory that myriads and myriads upon angels look day by day, worship, bow down and adore. That was his glory from all eternity, all the glory. And then the remarkable statement, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Jesus didn't take that equality that he had with God to use to his own advantage, to exploit. As Jesus thought about what it meant to be God, 
He realized it didn't mean grasping or taking or using all his power for his own self-promotion. Now, this is amazing. Jesus realized that being in the form of God meant the exact opposite. He did something very radical. Jesus did something very ungodlike. He said, I'll choose the path of humiliation and sacrifice and suffering. What did it mean for Jesus to be God? It meant giving. It meant emptying. It meant humbling. It meant debasing himself. If I can put it in this way, right, when the father, a bit like what we saw in the video, right, when the father said to the son, I don't even know if we're allowed to think like this, right, but imagine that conversation, right, between God the father and God the son in eternity. Like, you know, you go, you know, the, the father says to the son, look, son, I want you to walk the road of suffering. I want you to take the path that will lead to shame and humiliation. Jesus didn't sort of look back at his father and say, whoa, 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 dad, I'm the son. I'm in the form of God. That wouldn't be appropriate, would it, for the, the son of God to do that sort of thing? I'm, that wouldn't be right for me to do that. No, when the father said to the son, walk the path of suffering, shame, and sacrifice, I'm pretty sure, and humiliation, I'm pretty sure Jesus just said, well, of course. That's what the son does. That's what it means to be the son, doesn't it? That's what it means to be the God of the Bible, to choose the path of suffering, shame, and humiliation. I find that staggering. I find that kind of mind-blowing. You know, in our culture, right, power often means grasping and when you have power, often the rewards of that power are enormous and you can use those things. You can use that power for your own advantage. That's what most of us like to do. That's what most of the cultures of our world are about. But here we have an amazing statement that the one who is with God, the Father forever, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who had all the power, realised that having that power meant giving and serving. It meant suffering, shame, and humiliation. And here's the application point for you and me, brothers and sisters, if you're here this morning and you you know Jesus and you love Jesus and he's your Lord and Saviour and he's your brother, here it is. If we are, we who are adopted children of that King, of this God, we are similarly, uniquely qualified for a life of giving suffering, shame, sacrifice, and humiliation. Any suffering, shame, and humiliation we endure is simply part and parcel of being a child of this God. I find it staggering, right, that the life of Jesus meant suffering first, glory later. We're going to get to the glory bit, but suffering first, glory later. If that was good enough for the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the Son of God, then surely it's good enough for us. And if we're not ready or willing to make choices in our lives which may entail suffering, sacrifice and humiliation, then perhaps we're not children of this God. If ever I say, you know, I've done my bit, I've paid my dues, I can relax now, put my feet up, easy road, you know, to the new creation. If ever I say that, then I wonder if I can continue to call myself a child of this living God. And Paul goes on to describe what this realisation meant for Jesus personally. 
meant emptying himself. It meant for Christ taking another form, taking the form of a servant or a slave. He took that form because through taking the form of a slave or a servant, he could best display to the world the character of the divine. You know, to be clear, right, um, Jesus didn't swap his nature as God for uh, the nature of a servant. Instead, the nature of God took on the form of a servant. Does that make sense? So God didn't swap his form for the form of a servant. No, the form of God became the form of a servant. Um, John Calvin, the great reformer, um, says this. Here is something marvelous. The Son of God descended from heaven in such a way that, without leaving heaven, he willed to be born in the virgin's womb to go about earth and hang upon the cross. Yet he continually filled the world, even as he had done from the beginning. And that's the point. We see at Christmas the servanthood of God. It takes our breath away. We assume that being God, right, is all about power and, I don't know, pomp. And of course, God is all powerful. He is all powerful. He can do whatever He wants, He can constrain, He can restrain anything with his power, but God doesn't use his power for grandstanding. He doesn't use his power for an ego trip. God uses his power in love. God uses his power to serve people like you and me. You know, and so Jesus, right, the night before he died, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper in a little while. So Jesus, the night before he dies, what does he do? He's eating a meal with his friends, and before he does that, he stands up, he removes his robe, he wraps a towel around his waist, goes down on his knees, and he washes his disciples' feet. And in doing that, he shows to his, he sort of basically says, he communicates to his disciples, behold your God. Behold your God. Yeah, this is what your God does. The true God is the God who stoops down, who comes in, and he washes dirty sinners' I think I've shared this before. I was teaching um, over in India some time ago, and I was, I was sharing this kind of point with the, the pastors and the church leaders, you know, that the wonder of the gospel, John 13, the wonder of Philippians 2 is that the living God so debased himself that he came into the world, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and used all his power to serve, to wash his disciples' feet. John 13, verse 3 to 5, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist and began to wash his disciples' feet. And, you know, and I, I was saying, you know, with all the power, with all the glory, he just he washed his disciples' feet. And when I shared that that's what it looks like to be a servant of the gospel, to to be a minister of the gospel, to be a church leader, there was all these giggles kind of in the crowd. No, surely not. And I said to them, the fact that they laughed a little bit meant that they probably didn't really fully understand, nor do I, but fully understand the divine, the God who we love. Before we look Briefly, at the second half of the passage, 
Let me remind you why Paul is telling us this. Remember verse 5? He wants us to be together, wants us to be united. This passage that Paul's not telling us this really to remind us of the incarnation, although he does that implicitly, and it's important for us to do that at Christmas, God coming to the earth in human form. Paul's not, for the Philippians, correcting some dodgy theology that they have. Paul here is giving the example of the one man who counted others better than himself. The one who was not obsessed with selfish ambition. So that we, all of us here at City Light Church North Adelaide, when we are tempted to look for self-promotion, when we are tempted to rivalry or pride or jealousy or grasping, might look and learn and be empowered by this Jesus, by the true and living God. It's Christ's exaltation and humiliation. And then his glorification, verses 9 through to 11. Have a look at me. Verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the first part of the passage, we reminded of what Jesus has done, what he came to do, humbled himself, became a slave, obedient to death on a cross for our forgiveness to reunite us to the Father. Now the subject changes and we read about what the Father has done because of the Son's obedience. He's exalted him. He's given Jesus the name that is above every name, lifted him up, given him, of course, a name, which, of course, is his own name, the name Lord. Isaiah says, I am the Lord. That is my name. I give my glory to no one else, but he did. He gave it to the Son, his own name, his own glory. In other words, Paul is saying this, All the suffering, all the shame, all the humiliation that the Son of God endured has the full approval of the Father. The Father wasn't embarrassed at any moment of the Son's shame. I've got three kids, right? I think one of them's in the room, probably shouldn't speak too loudly. I've got three kids. And sometimes they do things which kind of embarrass me. And, and make me feel a little bit ashamed as their father. You know, when we're walking along and someone looks a bit different and they point, look at that person. I'm like, don't do that. You know, you feel a bit embarrassed. You feel a bit shameful, you know. But on that day, 2,000 years ago, the son, he was tried. He was convicted of being a criminal, a blasphemer, a troublemaker, On that day 2,000 years ago, he was whipped and he was flogged. He was made to drag a heavy cross, his own heavy cross, to Golgotha, where he was stripped naked, nailed to a cross for everyone to walk past and gawk at and spit at and laugh at and mock. And the father wasn't ashamed for a minute of the son's disgrace. Father wasn't ashamed. Instead, the Father lifted him up, raised him up, and gave him the name that is above every name, gave him the highest place, gave him 
everything, the exaltation. And that, my friends, is the the glorious, divine riches to rags and then back to riches again story of the Bible, where God himself took on human flesh, came into the world as the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, suffered the shame, suffered the humiliation, suffered the, the, the mockery that you and I deserve because of our rebellion against him, our turning our back on our maker. And yet Jesus willingly took that place so that rather than us hang on that old rugged cross, Jesus hung on that cross for us so that through his death we might be forgiven and he didn't stay dead, yeah? I mean, the wonderful thing about the Christian truth, the faith, is that Jesus is alive and well. He didn't stay dead. Three days later, risen to new life again. The power of the Holy Spirit. And the, I love this. Jesus, as we sit here in this room, the risen Lord Jesus, alive and well today, and guess what he's doing? Gathering men and women and kids to himself all across the globe. And I wonder if you're here this morning and you've not yet come to see the beauty of Jesus crucified and risen again. And if that's you and this morning the Lord is calling you to come to him through repentance and faith, and I want you to, today is the great day to do that. Because the wonder of the gospel is that our Lord Jesus, arms stretched out, he's, he's saying, come. He's embracing you. He's calling you in love to come to him. Submit, lay down your weapons. And give your life to him. The glorious story of the Bible. You know, Christmas, I love Christmas. Although at the moment I'm finding Christmas hard. It's, I feel tired already. Does anyone else feel tired already? You know, I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm hoping tomorrow's Boxing Day. Actually, no, not really. There's lots of good things to do between now and then. But I, Christmas doesn't end with a baby in a manger. We looked at last week, Christmas points us forward to the hill at Calvary, to Easter. God himself laid down his life for us that we through his death might live. Glorious, divine, riches to rags and then back to riches again. The wonderful thing, we're going to look at this next week. The wonderful thing is that through Jesus' poverty, we can become rich towards God. It's a wonderful thing. As I close, I guess I want to come back to that question, why is this text here? Like, why did Paul write this? Why is Paul telling the Philippians all this stuff about Jesus' humiliation, shame and sacrifice and why is he telling us about Jesus rising from the dead and giving the name above every name that every, every knee will bow you know, one day before the Lord Jesus Christ? Why? We'll come back to verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He's telling us this so that we might know how to relate in Christ-like, godly ways with one another. Not just at Christmas, I mean, particularly at Christmas, because, you know, you're going to be hanging out with a lot of painful people in a little while. And remember, you are a painful person. I'm looking at painful people. He's helping us. This is, this is here for us to know how do we live in the world, this beautiful but broken, this compelling but strange world, how to live well for Jesus in the here and now as we anticipate his return. He's giving us this so that we would have the strength to live lives of humility and service and sacrifice 
It's hard, though, isn't it, to live lives of humility, service, and sacrifice. I shared this with the elders the other day. I am convinced, I am still convinced, that what Paul does here, what Paul calls us to do here, you know, put other people's needs before our own, think of other people better than yourself. I mean, anyone nailed that yet? You know, I haven't. I'm convinced still that is the hardest thing the Apostle Paul calls us to do as as followers of Jesus. But it's still what we're called to do, to live lives of humility, sacrifice and service. Just because it's hard doesn't mean we don't do it. But we need resources to help us to do it, yeah? And that's why we must keep coming back again and again and again and again to the story of Christmas, the first Christmas, to the incarnation and then to the cross. The humiliation, the shame, the sacrifice. For in these events, brothers and sisters, we see not just our salvation, but we also get the strength we need to live lives of true Jesus-likeness for the good of our neighbour, for our good and for the glory of God. You see, when the Son of God decides to enter our world, he decides to shoulder all our burdens, to experience all our suffering and to take on all of our darkness. He does that at the cross and then rises again on the third day to new life. It cost him absolutely everything. But that's why he said, as that short video said, that's why the video said, let me go there. As the Bible put it, as we saw on the screen, the Father sent the Son to be the Saviour of the world. So here's a question as we close. If you had to, if you on your own had to shoulder the burden of the whole world, if you had to sacrifice yourself for the world that you'd made, would you go there? The Son of God did. At the first Christmas, the Son of God said, let me go there. Son of God saw the world. He saw the world as both a dangerous and compelling place. He saw the world in its beauty and its brokenness. He so loved the world and he so loves you and me that he came. He knew as he came into the world, I guess pictured by that boy flying through the air, he knew that the world he was coming to would be the death of him. And still he came. At Christmas, we celebrate that he embraced us. And he came no matter the cost. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That our rags might become riches. So may we as God's children, those who know Jesus as Lord, as Saviour, as Brother, Live like him, love like him for the good of our neighbours this Advent season, this Christmas, and every day until Jesus returns in glory. Should we pray? Let's pray. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we, we praise you this morning afresh. I guess as we think about what that conversation might have looked like, Father, between you and the Son, where you asked the Son to go into the world, 
through the womb of a virgin woman uh, in order to rescue us, redeem us, heal us, forgive us. We thank you that when you asked your son to do that, he was filled with joy. Joy at the prospect of laying down his life for us, for the sin of the world. Father, thank you that Jesus gave up the riches of heaven and came into the rags of our broken, sinful world. Father, it's just simply marvellous that you would, in love, do such a thing for us. We praise you that Jesus was willing to endure the mockery and the shame and the humiliation and the suffering. He knew full well that the world he was coming to redeem would be the world that would be the death of him. Father, fix our eyes on Jesus today and help us to understand more clearly what he's done for us. And in the power of your spirit, Father, we pray that those of us here this morning who know and love Jesus would be more and more like Jesus. Help us to imitate Jesus. Help us to love like Jesus, to look like Jesus, to speak like Jesus for the good of our neighbours who need him so desperately. And Father, as I close, I pray for anyone here this morning who is yet to bow the knee before this beautiful, exalted Jesus. By your spirit, soften their hearts, open their eyes, unstop their ears to see, hear and love him this morning. Send us out, Lord, in the power of your spirit to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church slash North Adelaide.